Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 21, and we are recording on Wednesday, March 14th. I'm Katie McLean, along with Rincey Abraham, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Katie. Happy Pi Day. Yes, you know what? It was Happy Pi Day, and I did not get a single piece of pie today. I was very disappointed. (laughs) I know. I was thinking about it all day, and then like I was like, okay, I'm just going to go to the grocery store after work and then I went to the first grocery store and they were basically out of pie <laughs> and I was like that's what I get for waiting to the end of the day so I got myself a slice of cheesecake instead <laughs> close enough exactly you know we put up I did I completely forgot that it was pie day until I got to work and saw that my co-workers had put up a pie day d- temporary display so we had the display but there was no actual pie uh-huh. and I didn't have time because I have my online class after work so I didn't have time to like stop off at Baker Square and get a piece of pie <laughs> Yeah, I didn't plan this very well. I mean, I like didn't even realize it was happening. I have um, Time Hop, that app that lets you look at like your old social social media posts. And so like, I think it's two years. Yeah, two years ago, because we did it on when it was 3.1415. It was also on a Saturday. Um, And so we did a pie crawl, me and my friends. So all the photos from the pie crawl showed up. And so like, and it was fun because we added in like savory stuff, too. So we got like quiche in the morning as well and like some pizza and things like that to like sort of break up all of the sugar but it was a great day that's brilliant i am making notes for that the next time pie day falls on a weekend it's honestly like really fun especially because like (laughs) by the end we had like a good eight or nine people who ended up coming out with us so like we would get like like multiple slices of pie but like we would just share pies obviously so you can still try like more than one pie um if you have enough people without eating like a pie at every single location like eating a whole slice yourself at every location oh my gosh i i am seriously gonna put this like in my calendar for a few years from now Just make sure it's like, okay, we're clearing all schedules. Everyone plan ahead. We're doing a pie crawl because that is brilliant. Yeah, I was very proud of myself for that one. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad you at least got some cheesecake out of it. I, hmm, what did I have today? I had chocolate pudding when I came home from work today. Well, that's not bad either. No, I mean, it was sugar-free, but I put chocolate chips in it, so. <laughs> I don't know how that all equates, but... I mean, it's better than having the sugar-filled one with chocolate chips as well. Had that. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. Now I'm making myself hungry again. That's not good. <laughs> it's too late for me to feel hungry. Yeah, right. Okay. So if this is your first introduction to the podcast, I hope we did not make you too hungry as well. Um, but we talk about, we occasionally talk about food, but we always talk about mysteries and thrillers and true crime and movie adaptations and cool things that are going on in the news and just things that we want to talk about. Um, sometimes we will do episodes based on listener suggestions for topics or theme book lists or, you know, things that other people have thought were interesting and uh, thought that we might find them interesting as well. Like, uh, we very recently did a noir episode, that, which was based on a um, based on a listener suggestion. But we talk about a little bit of everything and anything and everything, I should say. So if you... Um, 
if you have any suggestions for us about things that have come up that you that you thought were really cool or really noteworthy, let us know. We are always looking for, for new suggestions and new cool things to talk about and honestly learn about too. Cause you know, when we did the when we do episodes like, you know, noir mysteries or cozy mysteries, you know, a lot of times we're learning, you know, in the process if it's not, you know, up in our particular wheelhouse. So um yeah, we're we're up for for anything. So if you have suggestions, let us know. Um, and, uh, to kick us off for this, for this episode, we've got, we've got a few news items that we definitely want to talk about and I will let Rincey, uh, take it from here. Yeah. So the first one is just that, um, a little bit of an update. I think we've talked about this in a previous episode, but they're, um, adapting in a dark, dark wood by Ruth Ware. And Reese Witherspoon's, I think, production company is sort of behind this one, although she's not planning to star in it. Um, And so they announced a writer for this uh, adaptation. And I I believe it's a him. Um, I don't see. Oh, no. I'm not exactly sure because I don't see any gender pronouns here. Um, But the writer's name is Arash Amal. And they seem to be a relatively new writer because the only thing that I can see credited to them is a movie that isn't coming hasn't come out yet. Um, it's a biopic called A Private War, um, and so but it's being like highly anticipated by a lot of people in Hollywood. Um, but now, so but now we know that uh, there's progress being made on the adaptation. That there's at least a screenplay being written. So hopefully that will be coming to uh, movie theaters soon. All right. Um, and then in other, uh, well, not it's not actually an adaptation uh, piece of news. And there actually, in terms of what actually is news, there isn't much. But I had to shout and scream and do Muppet Arms that Gillian Flynn, author of Gone Girl, one of my personal favorite authors, is writing a new book. So far, we know absolutely nothing about it except that it's really dark which I would, I expect nothing less from her. Um, and so that's about all we know. She kind of dropped, when she was doing another interview, she kind of dropped in there that she was doing, that she was writing, that she was writing a new book. Um, her last full-length novel was Gone Girl, which was published in 2012. So I have been jonesing for a new Gillian Flynn novel for a really long time. And even though this is just, you know, just just this tiniest hint of news, the fact that she has publicly acknowledged that she is, in fact, writing a new book is enough to tide me over for a little bit. Um, when I heard this news, I did a full-on happy dance, squeal, hands up in the air, <laughs> texting all of my friends who are also Gillian, Gillian Flynn fans. You try saying that three times fast. Um, <laughs> and I was just like, this is not a drill. Gillian Flynn is writing a new book. Um, so we have, we will have a link in the show notes to this particular article, which again is not going to give you much more information than I've already given you. Um, but just so that you know that I'm not totally making this up. She is writing a new book. I'm hoping that that sometime soon we will have more information on it. And of course, we will relay that to you when we have it. But yes, she's writing a new book. Yeah, so I don't know if you saw at the end of the article, or at least the one, the bustle article that um, is in the show notes, um, Gillian Flynn's also doing one of the um, Shakespeare Hogarth retellings. She's going to be doing a retelling of Hamlet. 
What? I know. That's such a great pairing. I'm so excited. So Joe Nusba is putting out, is doing one. Did it come out yet? No, I think it comes out in April um, that I'm very much looking forward to. Um, and so I didn't know Gillian Flynn was also doing one. So I'm very excited about that. <gasps> I did not know that. And I am so excited now. So, but that one, it says, isn't expected to be released until 2021. So... Well, I'm I'm going to take a guess and say this book that she's working on is probably not the Hamlet one. No, no, I don't think it's the Hamlet one that she's okay. referring to. I think it's a completely different book, but I'm just saying that there's also that one that will be coming in the future. Oh, I didn't even see that. Okay, so we've got two Gillian Flynn books coming out. One of them we have to wait three years for, but it should be coming. Yeah, hopefully maybe next year, maybe 2019 will be the year. Oh, fingers crossed. All right. I'm, I'm going to let you take this one. This is the best news item we've had all week. I mean, this one is just pure joy. So there is a new book coming out from Quirk Books. It's a mystery featuring President Obama and Vice President Joe Biden as the main detectives. It's a Biden-Obama mystery, and it's called Hope Never Dies. And there are no words to explain just the cover. Like, I feel like everyone needs to go and at least Google it or click on the link in the show notes so you can see the cover of this book because it's epic. <laughs> yeah, there there are no words. I'm not even going to try to describe it. It is just the most glorious piece of fan art I have ever seen. And when, yeah, because Rincey and I both saw this on... Uh, fellow rioter Kelly Jensen's Twitter, she it just had a picture of the cover and just said, what is this? And we both had to look it up to make sure it wasn't a joke. And it's not. This is legit. It is yeah. a buddy mystery with Obama and Biden. And I did not realize that I needed that in my life until I realized that it was going to be a thing. And now I don't know how I could possibly have, I could possibly live without it. <laughs> Yeah, it looks like it's going to be great. And also, apparently it has to do with like a railroad conductor as well. So you get to pull in like Joe Biden's love of trains into this too. Like everything about this is so great. It doesn't come out until August. Well, we're both definitely going to plan on reading this and talking about it mm -hmm. uh, because there's no way you can't. Yeah, you can't. And um, we have also thrown out the idea of pairing this with the James Patterson, Bill Clinton thriller that's coming out this year in June that we both talked about multiple times. We might have ourselves a presidential episode coming up this year where we talk about both of these. So you guys all want to want to plan for that because I'm going to make sure it happens. And it will be amazing. I know. I'm more excited about Hope Never Dies than the James Patterson one, to be completely honest. Uh, but I feel like both of those will be just like really fun summer reads. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. This is this is just fantastic. I'm so excited about this. <sighs> okay. <All right>. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I hope you all are sharing in this excitement and this revelation. And I hope your week needed that little bit of joy i was like we need to like come down from that like sort of high like it's it's so funny because we both get so excited every time we talk about it <laughs> oh, we can like continue i know all right so i'm gonna talk about our first sponsor for the episode and it's called beneath the surface by lynn h blackburn and that comes to us from revel books which is a division of baker publishing group 
Lee Weston thought she'd left a troubled past behind when she moved back home to Carrington, North Carolina. But when dive team investigator Ryan Parker finds a body in the lake near her home, she fears the past hasn't stayed where it belongs. Can Ryan find a way to protect her and maybe win her heart in the process? Award-winning author Lynn H. Blackburn grabs readers by the throat and doesn't let go until the final heart-pounding page of this thriller mystery Beneath the Surface by Lynn H. Blackburn. And thanks so much to Revel Books for sponsoring this episode. That sounds like it might have been, might be a good book to tie in with our, uh, what what we do, our our mystery romance crossovers. Oh, good call. So, uh uh-huh. Um, so this episode, um, we are going to talk about mysteries and true crime in graphic novel format, which I know, Rinsey, you mentioned this, this idea, um, after we recorded last time and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like, I've never, graphic novels just have not been floating around in my head, but that's, you know, that's absolutely not the case. I mean, I mean, we all know graphic novels are kind of enco- kind of encompass everything on the literary spectrum, but there's some really cool ones um, that are being published, and they're ones that you know blend mystery with all these other different genres. Like um, the main one that I read, well, I'm about halfway through it because this I ended up picking like the longest graphic novels that our library owns. I don't know how that happened. I was thinking, I'm like, oh yeah, graphic novel, you know, really, really slim, you know, I can get through it in like an hour. Yeah, no, not these. <laughs> um, but the main one that I am work that I'm working my way through and absolutely loving is My Favorite Thing is Monsters by Emil Ferris. And uh, this book was published last year, and it was like on the on every best of list of the year, whether it was graphic novels, best books published, whatever it may be. This book was everywhere, and um, so I'm only just now getting around to picking it up, and I am totally understanding why this graphic novel is amazing. Um, it's a, even though it's my favorite thing is monsters, it does have kind of an old, an old school B horror movie element to it, like the pulp horror magazines and stuff like that. Um, and the main, the protagonist is a, is a werewolf girl named Karen. Um, but there, there is a mystery element to it because one of Karen's neighbors, um, is killed and or they the police say that she committed suicide um but there are elements to the crime that make Karen think that um that it was actually murder so she literally puts on like a fedora and a trench coat and carries a briefcase around and tries to find clues as to why her her neighbor might have been killed and uh like i said i haven't gotten all the way all the way through the graphic novel she's right now she's going through she's learning a lot about her neighbor's history and this woman uh she grew up in uh nazi germany she was jewish um she had a really traumatic troubled upbringing and the so she's learning about the pain and trauma of this woman's life and who from her past might have come back to kill her. And the there's just so much going on 
with this story. Like I said, not only do you have the horror and the mystery, like the horror and speculative elements, but you have the mystery in there as well. You have history. You have this, like this overwhelming sensation that, you know, you talk about monsters from, you know, the old 1940s, 1950s horror movies, but the real monsters in life are people. And so you, you really get that, that, theme coming across as Karen learns more about her neighbors and her neighbor's life and the people that she encountered and had to endure and survive. And the the other thing that's so cool about it, and uh, obviously applies because, you know, I live in the Chicago area, but it's set in the late 1960s in the heart of Chicago. So the you see these illustrations that show the the L trains and like characters walking under the tracks and you see these kind of grungy slightly dilapidated looking buildings and you, they mention a bunch of uh Chicago streets and uh famous Chicago landmarks and the writing is very evocative of those types of those those sensations and those details that you get when you're walking when you're walking through Chicago and the the artwork is unbelievable i think one of the reasons why it's taking me longer than i expected to get through this i mean a it's it's i don't even know how many pages it is but the artwork is so gorgeous she does this amazing cross hatching style and it she creates these unbelievable detailed layered kind of surreal and cartoony but also like really human and kind of grotesque uh illustrations and it, the whole thing is set up like it's a notebook almost like scrapbook style like there are things like you know little pieces of of torn photographs taped in the pages and you know the words written in the margins and sometimes you have to turn the book sideways to read it but it is it's it is literally a work of art in and of itself and the mystery is is really interesting even though it's focusing mainly on one character and that character's backstory like the little hard-boiled elements in there are really are really cool and it's just it's just fascinating um so if you haven't um if you haven't picked it up yet i mean a, you probably should because it was listed as a best book of last year it's a really good one to be aware of but you know if you like if you like your like your mysteries with with other elements in it or your your mysteries to be really really layered and and deep in that sense my favorite thing is monsters by emil ferris is incredible i mean it's incredible on its own but also for those for the for those reasons it's it's incredible yeah that's one i wanted to read but my library's hold list is like literally hundreds of people are on hold for that one um so like there was like a time a couple I think it was last year where I got on the hold list and it took me like six months before I could get a copy of it and then it had like a two-week hold period on it because it was like a new release so I couldn't read it in the two weeks so I had to return it and I haven't been able to get it back since so oh, no yeah we my the way my library system works and the type of people that we serve we don't have hold lists that are that long and we had a hold list on it initially but it wasn't very long and then it kind of died down so I literally this one was literally on the shelf Ugh. I know and so I was just like well I'm gonna take this before anyone else gets it so 
Yeah, I need to like part of me is just like I just need to pony up and buy a copy of it because I know I'm going to like it. Um, But it's also like really expensive, which it deserves to be because it's huge and it's like thick paper and like really, really well done, like just like as a physical object, like it's a beautiful physical object. And so it's worth like I think it's like 30 or 40 dollars like if you get it from like a comic book store, an independent bookstore or something like that, I'm sure on Amazon it might be cheaper. Um, but yeah, that's one I definitely need to check out. Definitely. All right. Um, so the first book I'm going to talk about is called The Fade Out. This is by Ed Brubaker, illustrated by Sean, Sean Phillips and um, colored by Elizabeth. Hold on. Let me check her name. <laughs> Elizabeth Brightweiser's. Um so the reason why I mentioned the, doing like comics and graphic novels for this episode is because when we were doing the noir episode, I actually thought of this comic and I thought about mentioning it um, in that episode as a potential noir book to talk about just because it'd be something a little bit different. But I decided to just save it for the comics episode. So in this uh, story... It takes place in Hollywood in 1948, and you start off um, with this writer who like wakes up after like a crazy night of partying, um, doesn't really know where he is, stumbles out of. He woke up in the bathroom, and so he like stumbles out into the living room, not really sure like what built house he's in, um, and sees uh, this the main actress of the Hollywood studio um, lying dead on the floor. And so he like panics, realizing that since he's the only person in this apartment or house, um, that he's probably going to get blamed for it. So he doesn't want to call the police. So he literally wipes down everything that like he thinks could have traces of him on it and leaves. He goes to the studio the next day and um, he's called into basically like the head person's office. And uh, they're talking about like the dead actress because they were in the middle of shooting a film. And so they're going to have to figure out like what they're going to do to replace her or like reshoot the film or whatever it is. And he see, he finds out that they're framing the death as a suicide. So he's not sure if like someone else went in after him and like set it up as a suicide or if the studio is making it seem like it's a suicide. But it turns into this whole mystery about like what exactly happened here, like who killed this woman and like who's behind all of this stuff. And it's really, really interesting. This is also one that's a little bit on the longer side. It originally came out as single issues, which is how I originally um, read it or how I originally consumed it. I was like reading single issue comics a couple of years ago and I like saw this one and it caught my eye because the art is beautiful. It really does look exactly like you would imagine a noir movie or like even thinking of like the way noir book covers look, things like that. Like it's exactly that style. Um, really, really beautiful art. And the story itself is really compelling. It has that very like slow burn style. Um, and also like one of the things I really like is that like the actresses in here face a lot of like sexism and like sexual harassment and things like that. But you'll see it and you recognize that that's a bad thing that's happening. Like they don't treat it just as like a thing that's happened. Um, another thing I really like about it is just there's a lot of really interesting characters. Um, the main protagonist, the writer, um, was part of I believe like World War II and so he has sort of like PTSD that he's dealing with um 
there's a lot of suspicion around like the movie actress who takes over um, after the main actress dies, like her replacement. There's a lot of suspicious things about her background. Um, the people who are in charge of the studio and things like that, they're all really slimy people. The actor is really slimy person and all of this stuff. So you don't really... You can't trust anyone, really, in this book. I think there's, like, one character who is made out to be a relatively good character. Um, and I'm only about halfway through right now, so I can't... So possibly she turns by the end. I don't know. But it's just a really great uh, comic book. I will say it is rated M for Mature, so I would avoid, like, reading this in public even because there are, like, scenes that have, like, nudity um, and a little bit of graphic violence here and there. Um, so just be warned of that. But I think that it's completely worth reading, especially if you maybe started checking out Noir or you're interested in Noir after our last episode, but um, maybe don't want to get into a Noir book. I think that this is a really good alternative and a really good option as well. So again, that's called The Fade Out. Um, they have it as one big bind up now as a hardcover. Otherwise, I think it's three individual volumes that you can get. But yeah, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips are like... They're really well known in like the comic world and they've written a couple of different like mystery related comics almost. They have one called Fatale, which is based on like femme fatale stuff. And another one, I think it's called Criminal. Um, I haven't read any of those yet, but I just love their style of writing and their the way they frame stories and things like that is always really interesting to me. Yeah, that one sounds really cool. And um, And I like what you said about you know, if you're interested in trying something, but you're not sure if you want to want to devote your attention to an entire novel, graphic novel is a really cool option. And um, yeah, that's and that's something that I've kind of learned as I because I'm I'm still very much a graphic novel newbie. Um, but it is a it is a really cool way to get a taste of a particular genre without yeah like devoting without committing to you know a novel that require that requires more uh requires yeah long a longer uh commitment time um the uh i actually i well i picked i picked three graphic novels to talk about today and one of them i didn't get to at all so that'll get an honorable mention at the end but the other one um i actually read a couple of years ago I just happened to pick it up. Again, this is also a very thick uh, graphic novel, but it reads really, really quickly. Um, it's uh, Green River Killer, a true detective story by Jeff Jensen and Jonathan Case. And this is this is totally true crime. It's based on the, the case surrounding the Green River serial killer in uh, Seattle. And it... I originally knew about the case because I read Anne Rule's book, Green River Running Red, um, that details like the entire 20 plus year history of the police trying to track down this this killer who ended up killing almost 50 women. Um, and this book or this graphic novel is, is written by the son of the lead detective. Um, I don't think he was the lead detective for the entire time, but for a majority of the time, and when they finally caught the killer, Gary Ridgway, um, he was he was the, the detective heading up the task force. Um, although, actually, he might have retired at that point, but they brought him back in. I can't remember. Um, but it's a... The way they have it set up is the, the graphic novel... Um, kind of opens with them catching uh, towards the beginning of the of the graphic novel. They they find 
Gary Ridgway, and they're interviewing him. And the story is kind of told as he, you know, gives information about his childhood and growing up and his history and how he came, how he started killing these women and how, why he continued and his motivations and stuff. So there's a lot of like back and forth jumping. Um, I think there's a few scenes where he takes the detectives to the sites um, of where he buried, um, where he buried some of the bodies. And it's, it's so, it, the illustrations, um, they're in black and white. There's no, like, there's no shading. It is stark black and white. And it, it makes for a really dramatic um, illustration style to go with the, the really kind of horrific crimes that, that Ridgway committed. And what I also really liked about it is that it it tells kind of the true crime story, but it also focuses a lot on the emotional toll that this case took on the detectives who were involved. I mean, from start to finish, this Ridgeway's crime spanned, like I said, 20, 20, at least 20 years, possibly more. And that's two decades of trying to catch this person who's, who's, killing these women and teenagers many of them were prostitutes many of them were um were kind of people that a lot of that that other that society had kind of given up on it was just a really rough case to investigate and this and um the graphic novel i think really portrays that and especially since the um, one of the writers was the son of the lead detective, so he was kind of around this growing up. And it's, it's like I said, it's a longer graphic novel, but it's a really fast read. Like, I, I, may, I did read this one in a single sitting. Um, I don't know if I would recommend doing that in every case, because it is, it's very, it's disturbing and very, and really horrifying. Um, but there's just there's a lot going on and there's the it manages to portray so many so many different elements of this case using like i said just black and white illustrations and um yeah it it was really interesting if you have already read the Anne Rule book Green River Running Red this is a really interesting um this is like an a really interesting supplement to that um or if you're interested in reading it but aren't quite aren't quite ready to devote, you know, the 500 pages or so that she gives to the, to the details of this case. This is kind of, this is kind of an interesting way to familiarize yourself with the, with the situation and the, and the crimes and the investigation. Um, but, and, and like I said, I also really like it because it's, you know, it's graphic novel format, but it's true crime. It's not, they're two different, like, formats or genres that I wouldn't immediately have thought to pair together, but it works really, really well. Um, so again, the the name of the graphic novel is Green River Killer, A True Detective Story by Jeff Jensen and Jonathan Case. All right. Uh, the last one that I have is sort of on like the opposite end of the spectrum, and that's Goldie Vance by Hope Larson and illustrated by Brittany Williams and this is another one that's being put out um, at as single issues, but you can get them as volumes. There's three volumes out right now. This is an all ages comic. Um, so it's completely friend, like kid friendly, family friendly, like read this one in public all you want, because it's totally filled with like happy colors and no one would know what you're reading. Um, 
when this first came out, um, it was being described as like Nancy Drew meets Veronica Mars. And that's basically like catnip synopsis, <laughs> like sort of pitch for me. So there was like no way I was going to miss out on this one. And honestly, it's like so delightful and so much fun. Um so in this story, you are following a character named Goldie Vance. Um, she is of mixed race and it takes place in Florida in like the 1960s. And it just follows like her as like an amateur detective. She works as a chauffeur at a hotel. Her father also works at the hotel as well. Um, and so it's like each volume of Goldie Vance follows like a specific mystery which is really nice um so each volume has around like four or five single issues um combined and so it's really nice if you're reading it in volume form that you get sort of like a full mystery told to you in a single volume like if um there are people out there who have tried comics before and you read a lot of that are ongoing series a lot of times at the end of a volume they leave it on a cliffhanger so you'll like keep reading into the next volume or the next couple of issues but with uh, Goldie Vance, um, it's really nice because it's all each um, volume is a self-contained arc. So you can read them whenever you get a chance. Like I read uh, volume one last year and then I didn't have a, a chance to pick up so volume two and three until uh, I was preparing for this episode. And so you can read them all individually just whenever you have free time. Um, yeah, it's really great. It's filled with like diverse people it has a lot of females as like the main characters which is great uh everyone is like all different colors and all different shapes and sizes and from all different types of like even economical standings and things like that in terms of class um it's just really really fun it's one of those books where it's like if you want something light and fluffy um if you are someone who enjoys like cozy mysteries i think that you would really like this one as well um, so again, that's called Goldie Vance. There are three volumes out, um, like I said, and then I think a fourth one is coming out either this spring or this summer. But I highly, highly recommend it. It's probably like one of my favorite non-superhero comics that's being published at the moment. Um, it's one of the few that I'm still like sort of keeping tabs on um, because with comic books, there are always so many coming out that it's hard to keep track of all of them. But if you want one that's an ongoing series, maybe instead of just like a single standalone graphic novel, I highly recommend Goldie Vance. Yeah, you, you had me at Nancy Drew meets Veronica Mars. <laughs> like, how do you pass up a pitch like that? I don't I don't know who could resist. Yeah, sometimes sometimes when the publishers or whoever come up with these pitches, like sometimes it just it's like... That's perfect. You don't need to know anything else about it. Yeah. Um, really quickly before we get to the second sponsor, my honorable mention that I did want to include because I really wanted to get to, to this one before we recorded this episode and then I wasn't able to because um, my schedule got in the way. Um, but it's my friend Dahmer, uh, written and illustrated by Durf Backdurf. Um, the guy I, I checked, his first name is not actually Durf. Um <laughs> I was wondering about that because I haven't read this one yet. And I saw his name and I was like, is that is that for real? No, I think like on Goodreads or something, I looked it up and his first name is like, I don't remember what his first name is, but it, it's something that you're like, okay, yeah, that's a first name. Um, but he, but his nickname was Durf. So he goes by Durf back Durf, apparently. Um, but it the author went to school and 
or and hung out with Jeffrey Dahmer in high school before Jeffrey Dahmer <laughs> committed the crimes that made him Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, so it's kind of like to bring another Anne Rule book into into play. It's kind of like. The Stranger Beside Me, where the author's talking about a personal relationship that they had with someone who ended up becoming a very notorious serial killer. Um, and, I mean, just flipping through, the illustrations are, they're, like, comical, but but kind of grotesque. And it's it just looks like a really weird, weird book. Um, and... I, what really got me, one of the, I'm going to read uh, one of the blurbs on the back from Chuck Klosterman. Um, and he says, if you want to read a heavy story about a disturbing teenager, my friend Dahmer will certainly quench your dark little desires. But this book is about a lot of other things that matter much, much more. The institutionalized weirdness of the suburban 70s, what it means to be friends with someone you don't really like, a cogent explanation as to why terrible things happen, and a means for feeling sympathy toward those who don't seem to deserve it. Um, so I am really excited to pick this one up ultimately because, yeah, it's got the true crime element. It's got... It's it's got lots of darkness and weirdness, which I which I like, but it's also got a lot of layers to it as well. Um, so again, that is uh, my friend Dahmer by Durf Backdurf. And if you end up finishing this before I do, let me know how it is. <laughs> yeah, I've heard really good things about this one. Like it's one of those graphic novels that's like has made the way outside of like the typical comics and graphic novels people that I follow. Um, I think because it is about Jeffrey Dahmer, like obviously it has a slightly more wider appeal um, outside of typical graphic novel readers, but I've heard nothing but good things about it. Yeah. Um, and, oh yeah, sorry. I was, I was got, got distracted. There's a sticker on the front too. And it's also is named a best of 2012 book by like every publication or entertainment uh, company that you can possibly imagine. It was a um, an Alex Award winner, the which is which is an amazing um, award put out by the uh, by Yalsa, which um, provides young adult services um, for um, public libraries. And the Alex Award, they award it to like ten books every year that are adult publications, but have really strong crossover appeal for teens. So yeah, it really seems to bridge to really covers the spectrum pretty much um okay so i am going to hop right into sponsor number two um so we can we can get to our new releases which look really awesome um but anyway sponsor number two um is the book sometimes i lie by alice feeney from flat iron books and the synopsis goes my name is amber reynolds there are three three things you should know about me I'm in a coma, my husband doesn't love me anymore, and sometimes I lie. Sometimes I Lie will be your next book obsession after The Woman in the Window. A.J. Finn himself calls it Marvelous, a provocative true or false thriller. And author B.A. Paris, who wrote uh, the mega bestseller Behind Closed Doors, says Sometimes I Lie is gripping. Do not miss out on the next big psychological thriller. So again, the book is Sometimes I Lie by Alice Feeney. And thank you very much to Flatiron Books for sponsoring the show. All right, I'm going to run through these new releases. And uh, like Katie had mentioned, there were a lot of new releases coming out that I was like, ooh, that sounds good. Ooh, that sounds good. So I'm not going to talk about all of them because we don't have time for that. Uh, but I do want to mention some. So first up, I have The Neighbors by Hannah Mary McKinnon. And this one is already out. It came out on March 13th. 
So in this one, you follow this character named Abby, who in 1992 is responsible for a car crash that kills her brother. She can't seem to forgive herself, and she pushes away um, her boyfriend at the time, who she loves a lot, named Liam. Fast forward 20 years, and Abby is married to this man named Nate, um, who is also living with this deep sense of guilt. Um, He was the driver who first came upon this accident and pulled her to safety before the car erupted in flames and couldn't save the brother. Um, And so this guilt sort of binds them together and they understand each other or so Nate believes. And in a strange twist of fate, Liam from her past moves into the neighborhood with his own family, which releases sort of this flood of memories for Abby that she's been trying to repress for years. And Abby and Liam basically make this pact, this like silent agreement that they're going to pretend like they don't know each other. Um, But obviously that can only last so long. So again, that one is called The Neighbors by Hannah Mary McKinnon. And again, it's already out. I love a, I love a book with mysterious neighbors, even though in this case, the neighbors aren't totally mysterious because the main character knows them. But I, I love a good domestic thriller. Yeah, this is definitely for people who love domestic thrillers. Um, this next one sounds so crazy, um, but I love it. Um, it's called A Guide for Murdered Children by Sarah Sparrow. This one comes out on March 20th. Um, so in this one, the souls of murdered children are able to briefly return and inhabit adult bodies and wreak revenge on the killers who stole their lives. Um, So you are following this ex-NYPD detective named Willow, who is fresh out of rehab and um, basically gets a job running a cold case squad in suburban Detroit. And so um, she gets two rookie cops assigned to her and to they take an interest in this decades old disappearance of a brother and sister. And Willow begins to realize there's something sort slightly out of the ordinary about this case. So um, he uncovers a series of like church basement AA type meetings um, that make up the slain innocence. And he sees that they're sort of a new way of looking at life and death and murder. And this is basically like a mystical, harrowing, genre busting book um, that sort of takes a twist on these sort of murder stories. And again, that's called A Guide for Murdered Children um, by Sarah Sarah Sparrow. Um, After that, I have The Broken Girls by Simone St. James, which also comes out on March 20th. Um, So first there is this backstory um, that takes place in Vermont in 1950s. Um, There's this place where girls that no one wants anymore, troublemakers, illegitimate kids, um, girls who are too smart for their own girls, own good. Um, it's called Idlewild Hall. That's really hard to say. And in this small town, there are rumors that the boarding school is haunted. And so four roommates bond over their whispered fears, their budding friendship, um, until one of them suddenly disappears. Fast forward to Vermont in 2014, um, this journalist named Fiona Sheridan can't stop revisiting the events surrounding her older sister's death. Um, so 20 years ago, her body was found lying in the overgrown fields near the ru- ruins of Idlewild Hall. 
And though her sister's boyfriend was tried and convicted of the murder, Fiona can't shake the suspicion that something was never right about the case. Uh, When Fiona discovers that Idlewild Hall is being restored by an anonymous benefactor, she decides to write a story about it. But a shocking discovery during the renovations will link the loss of her sister to secrets that were meant to stay hidden in the past and a voice that won't be silenced. And again, that one is called The Broken Girls by Simone St. James. Um, This sounds like one of those sort of like slow burn suspense, slightly chilling, small town sort of mysteries, which I think I would really enjoy. I have actually a copy of this one, and I'm really excited to check it out. Ooh, you got to let me know how it is because I'm I'm listening to this going, this sounds like it might be up my alley. (laughs) Yeah. And then the last one that I got is a little bit lighter. Um, It's called well, I don't, relatively light. I mean, it's about death. Um, it's called um, "Death Comes Through," comes in through the kitchen by Teresa Dovalpage, and this one again also comes out on March twentieth. It's set in Havana during the Black Spring of two thousand and three, um, and you, it's a charming and poison lace culinary mystery that reveals the darker side of the modern revolution. And it also comes with authentic Cuban recipes, which is the reason why it caught my attention. To be completely honest. Um, So it takes place in Havana and you are following this um, guy from San Diego named Matt. He's a journalist. He arrives in Havana to marry his girlfriend, um, who is a 24-year-old Cuban woman who he first met through her food blog. But um, when his girlfriend isn't there to meet him at the airport, he gets a ride to the apartment and finds her lying dead in the bathtub. So Matt is immediately sort of embroiled in this uh, mystery that he didn't bargain for. Um, the police and the Secret Service have him down as the main suspect, and in an effort to clear his name, he must embark on his own investigation to figure out what happened. Um, the more that Matt learns about his fiance, though, the more that he realizes he has no idea who she really was, but did anyone. So again, that's called Devil Comes In Through the Kitchen um, by Teresa Dovalpage, and it comes out on March 20th. That sounds like... I don't want to call it a cozy mystery, but that sounds like a lighter mystery that I would have a blast reading. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too, because it's not like super cozy because it does seem like it has a little bit of like darker elements to it. Uh, But it sounds like it would be really intriguing. And I also like the fact that it comes honestly, like I really want to get this book for the Cuban recipes just to see what recipes are included. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, let's be real here. The the food is priority. (laughs) If it wasn't clear by the top of the episode, (laughs) We like food. Oh, all right. Well, I I'll give your let you t- give your voice a little bit of a break. Um, so I, in terms of what I have been finishing and starting recently, um, I have finally decided, or w- w- finally was able, I should say, to catch up on uh, on a couple of the books that I have in previous episodes said that I was going to be reading, and then I would start it, and then I wouldn't finish it by the next episode. So I'm starting to I'm starting to finally get some get some of those finished, or at least come close to it. Um, one book that I did finish front to back, um, that I've mentioned before a few times is A False Report, A True Story of Rape in America by T. Christian Miller and Ken Armstrong. Um, if the title was not already a giveaway, I will say major, major trigger warnings for rape and sexual assault and sexual violence. Um, but this, this book was really interesting. And this is a book that you have to, you, you kind of know, but you, you have to kind of prepare yourself that when you're reading this book is that it's going to make you mad. Um, it does, 
I don't know if it spoils if it really spoils anything because I think it kind of at least hints to this on the back of the book. Like, in a way, justice is served in the book in that um, the police are across different states are able to track down the serial rapist that is kind of randomly attacking women. Um, but there's a lot of elements about how he was able to kind of get away with this. And also, you know, the most infuriating part of this whole thing is how we, as a society, how the justice system, how the police department treats um, rape victims is really horrendous. And in, you know, in this in this case, there's a woman who said that she had been raped and the um, the she reported it to the police um, and they started an investigation. But then someone um, like one of her I can't remember if it was one of her foster mothers or someone said that she was kind of noticed a couple of small discrepancies in her stories. These were a couple of discrepancies that the police had noticed as well. Um, and as soon as these small discrepancies popped up, they started investigating her and whether or not she was making up the, whether or not she was making up the story rather than investigating the crime that actually happened. And they ended up charging her with, um, with falsifying, uh, falsifying a crime or or making a false report. And, they, you know, she actually is like penalized and stuff like that. Um, and it takes a few years and a whole lot, a lot more women being attacked for them to finally kind of realize that, hey, she was telling the truth the whole time. And the way the book is just the way the book is described, I'm just going to I apologize if that's considered spoilery. The book kind of insinuates it, but I had to, I had to kind of mention that to to talk about why this book is so powerful. Um, it's very matter of fact. It's very straightforward, very journalistic. It's a it's a short book in a way. I almost wish it was longer because I feel like there's so much there's so much to like really sink your teeth into in terms of you know like the things I just talked about, like how society treats. Uh, treats women, treats rape victims, how women are so often not believed, um, that I think that there's there's a lot of information that you can really dig into. Um, but at any rate, it is a, it is a very fast read. Um, it's fascinating. It's infuriating. I, I, I was going to say, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was a very well-written book, and, I've, and I'm glad I read it. Um, again, that's A False Report, A True Story of Rape in America by T. Christian Miller and Ken Armstrong. And then um, another book that I mentioned on a previous, I think on the last episode, um, where I said this weekend I'm going to be uh, flying out east with a couple of friends from college and we're going to making be making a stop at the Lizzie Borden house in Fall River, Massachusetts. So I decided to read uh, See What I Have Done by Sarah Schmidt, which is a fictionalized uh kind of reimagining of the Borden family murders. And the the premise is that even though in actuality Lizzie Borden was never committed for the murders of her father and her stepmother, everyone just kind of kind of figures that she did it. There's the the old kind of I don't know, it's like a it's not a nursery rhyme, but it's, it's not, I keep thinking like, it's always oh, a jump rope song. It's like Lizzie Borden took an ax and gave her mother or gave her father 40 wax. Um, and this book, I'm only about halfway through it. I haven't finished this one yet, but it takes the, like the, 
it alternates between four different perspectives of people um, either in the family or close to the family, somehow involved with the family. And it jumps back and forth between like the day before the murders, the day of the murders, from all these different perspectives. And um, it's really unsettling. It, um, the writing style, there's something about the writing style that's just a little bit off. And so, and it's very descriptive and visceral. So you really like, you can like taste things and you can, and you just feel kind of grimy while you read it. Um, it's, it's surreal in a weird way. It's like, if you're expecting just kind of a straightforward kind of historical fiction novel that has a little bit of suspense to it. This is way, this is much more unsettling than that. Um, and it's, it's really fascinating. It, um, in a, in certain ways, it actually reminds me a little bit of Dark Places by Gillian Flynn, um, which was her second book that she, that she wrote. Um, but the way it jumps between different perspectives, um, the, the just the overall feeling of the book, the tone, the writing style, it's a very, it's a very visceral type of reading experience. Um, like I, I use when I was trying to, to describe it, when I was trying to describe the book to my fiance, I was like, I feel greasy reading this book. And it's not, that's obviously not a reading uh, experience that everyone that will fit everyone, but I'm really enjoying it. It's very bizarre, very weird, creepy, unsettling. Um, and so I should hopefully, I'm hoping to have that finished by the time we actually, uh, hopefully get to visit the Lizzie Borden house. Um, but again, that's see what I have done by Sarah Schmidt. And then, um, I am soon going to be starting, uh, The Hunger by Alma Katsu, which I, uh, freaked out about on the last episode because it's the Donner Party meets supernatural something stalking them. And I'm like, well, I need this book like right now. Um, and the publishers were kind enough to contact me like a day or two after the episode aired to say, hi, would you like us to send you a complimentary copy of the book? And I went, um, yes, please. So <laughs> they shipped me a book and I have it in my purse and I am going to be reading that very soon. So and again, that is The Hunger by Alma Katsu. Yeah, it's funny because they like, I think they contacted both of us on Twitter. Um, and when they contacted me, I was basically like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not that this book doesn't sound good, but I am way too much of a chicken for this book. And me, I just get like little heart signs in my eyes. I was just like, oh, yes, please. <laughs> All right. Um, so in terms of what I finished recently, um, I finished There's Someone Inside Your House by Stephanie Perkins. This is a young adult suspense book i would say it's based on like slasher films so it's like young adult slasher kind of um so in this story you are following this teenage girl i think she's like 16 or 17 named makani young who something happened to her she was was born and raised in hawaii and something happens while she was in hawaii and so she her parents end up sending her to nebraska to live with her grandmother so obviously this is like an extreme change of life and lifestyle and things like that. Um, she finally gets some friends and she even has like a crush that she has in high school, things like that. Um, and then suddenly one day kids in her high school start being murdered, like violently murdered. And so like obviously the first situation, like time people just think it's a one off situation, but it keeps like 
increasing in number and increasing in like gruesomeness. And so there's this sort of like terror going around this town and especially for the kids who are attending this high school, um, trying to figure out what exactly is going on, who this person is targeting, why they're targeting them, things like that. So this is a really interesting book. I can't say I like loved it or like I super highly recommend it, but I do like it a lot because it does remind me a lot of those like teen slasher films from like the 90s and 2000s, like Scream and I Know What You Did Last Summer and things like that. Um, I was warned ahead of time that there's this book is like very heavy on the romance side of things. Um, Stephanie Perkins wrote a bunch of young adult books called like Anna and the French Kiss, Lola and the Boy Next Door, and Isla and the Happily Ever After. And they are very much like young adult contemporary romance books. Um, so I kind of had that warning and also just knew Stephanie Perkins' other books. So I kind of knew her style. Um, so this is probably like more leaning towards romance than like suspense horror stuff. Um, I wouldn't even say it's horror really because it is young adult. I would say it does toe the line really well. Um, there are a couple of scenes that are like really gruesome because you do read about the murders as they're happening sometimes. So some of those scenes are actually like, at least for me as a big baby, <laughs> um, it, it was like a little bit harder to read. But um, overall, I really I did enjoy it. Like it is a page turner. It does capture your attention. Um, I found the resolution to be a little bit not quite as like rounded out as I would want like I wanted a little bit more to the ending especially because like the ending goes by really really fast and I just was like oh man it's over now um, which isn't the worst um, complaint to have about a book but I think that if you like those like teen slasher books and you're okay with romance in your books then this is worth picking up it's just like a fun read I also brought it with me like while I was on a plane so it was like a good way to like pass the time sort of situation too I think that you could easily read this in like one or two sittings and if you're just wanting something that's a mystery suspense book but maybe not like super dark or super heavy or anything like that you just want like a good page turner then this is worth picking up yeah that one i have had on my list for a while but i haven't bumped it up to the top because of i i have i um when i was taking a young adult lit class for my for my master's degree we read um anna and the french kiss and so i knew i'm like you know, for a young adult romance, you know, if that's your jam, you do you, was not was not my particular jam. Um, so I was like, hmm, I'm like, not sure if I want to do the young adult romance, but I do love a good teen slasher story. So um, that's, that's good. That's good to good to be aware of. I'll probably end up reading it at some point. Um, just yeah. maybe not right away. Yeah, I think it's a good book. Also, if you're like slightly interested in it, again, if you're just like looking for something like quick, like if you're doing like just like a weekend or like a beach day or something like that and you just want something like really page turnery i think it's a good pick for that too um i have nothing else to talk about really because i have no idea what i'm going to be starting next um i'm still in the middle of the fade out like i mentioned earlier and i do want to finish that and i have um the broken girls so maybe i'll get that to that i don't know we'll see what happens i have no idea what i'm in the mood for but i have a bunch of mysteries sitting on my shelf that i need to read so i'll probably pick up one of those and i'll talk about it in the next episode 
All right. Um, so I think that's everything that we have for this show. Um, thanks so much to everyone for listening. For show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen and just click on the Red or Dead page. We'll have links to all of the stories up above as well as to the great Obama-Biden book as well as all of the other books that we talked about in this episode. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast, definitely leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so that way other people will be able to find us and check us out. Um, if you want to send us an email with suggestions or questions or general comments or anything along those lines, um, you can send it to redordead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Rincey A. And I am on Twitter at KT underscore library lady. And we will talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.